Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Advanced Analytics All-Star Weekend Special. One week after the All-Star Weekend, of which I don't know if any of us watched any of the All-Star Weekend. Paul's not here, but I am joined by the legend, JT. Yep, the fourth member of Team Antetokounmpo's. <laughs> JT, one of the best. I'm I'm on cloud nine after that All Star weekend. The glitz, the glamour. Oh, I can't get enough. <laughs> you're 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 so into All Star weekend that you're recording a podcast about a week after it actually happened. We will talk about other stuff as well. Um, it's time for the NBA podcast we call Advanced Analytics. JT, it's been too long. It's really uh, I've missed you, man. It's nice to be talking to you again. Yeah, you too. And are you on cloud? Are you on cloud nine after the All Star weekend? Uh, no, it was the worst. It's, but I knew I, when I watch it, I'm an adult and I'm aware that it's the worst thing in the world. So I go into it knowing it's going to be bad. And I'm what I love are the adults who watch it every year, going, "This is going to be good," and every year are shocked when it's not good. Are there really people out there like that genuinely? I thought only the dunk comp people might think this is worth watching. Um, the three-point contest is, actually has been handy. It was actually good this year um, and has been handy in the past. But I just feel like every adult, they what we remember, it's like, it's like Saturday Night Live. It's the same thing. We remember a best-of DVD of whoever the star was of your generation. For my generation, it's Vince Carter. For the older generation, it'll be Michael Jordan or Dominic Wilkins. You so remember from, that person and compare be like it to their Musk. three best dunks. What? So it'd be like Elon Musk that on Saturday Night Live, like the equivalent of the best you'll ever see. <laughs> no, well, Saturday Night Live, I watched a really good video recently. There was like a guy who went back and watched one episode of every year of Saturday Night Live. And like he was like, even in its prime, Bill Murray, like the time that everyone fantasizes about, it was like 20%, 25% hit rate. And there was good stuff. But like, you know, like my generation went through Will Ferrell and that was Will Ferrell and Tina Fey and Kristen Wiig is about as, the Lonely Island is about as high as it's ever been. And, um, you know, like we just remember, the, the great, we compare the greatest hits of the past to the um, the, the current future, the current, uh, I, I almost had a point there, but I fucked up. I sort of get what you're saying. But isn't all that stuff like Saturday Night Live is good through the lens of like it's I was thinking about this today how crazy it is that for nearly our whole lives uh we we've sort of looked at America to being like what all other countries should aspire to and mm. then over the last 5 years and not just cuz of Trump I guess a bit before that you're like this that place is absolutely cooked like it's <laughs> fucked and they they are like crazy people <laughs> and all the the shows are like surreal like, have you ever tried to watch, I don't know, like um, a Jimmy Fallon or, anything, or or any of those Jimmy Jimmy Kimmels or Carters or whoever? Like, they're all just, <laughs> it's like surreal. It's surrealist art. It can't be. It's like Tim Heidecker anti-comedy, but it's real life. Yeah, yeah. I, I Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that. And, and yeah, so many shows are like that. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon is, is cooked, eh? But um, your point with America is, I like how you only just discovered that in the last five years. I mean... The cracks came off the facade after 9-11, right? Like that's when when they, they, that wasn't they invaded their fault, Iraq. Though. What'd you say? I was going to say 9-11 wasn't their fault. No, no. Uh, well, oh, I mean. How deep do we go? Right. Yeah. Sure. No, I mean, like, I, I don't, I'm not saying Bush did 9-11, but I'm saying like, you know, 
But it's, a, I mean, yeah, you've, we've opened a can of worms here that we can't, we can't uh, close. No, I get what you're saying. So, yeah, but I didn't, but it's more the jump between. I so, said, do you remember when you were a kid and we used to laugh at Japanese game shows? And we we're like, oh man, Japan's crazy. But like, that is what American TV is like, just through a different lens. It is yeah. outside of like prestige drama or comedies that, or like, you know, multi camera comedies that we see. The day-to-day stuff that's on American TV. And even, like, you know, you would have been there, you've been there a bit. I've been, I love going as a tourist. Love watching morning news. And it's just insane people, like, talking yeah. insane stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what gets views, right? Like, that's why you watch it. Um, but America, I think, is, is no crazier or no less crazy than any other country. It's just, in a hyper-capitalist world, it really exploits and the internet really exploits like uh the worst and so america like any country new zealand would be the same like 25 percent of your population are just absolutely like bonkers right and in america no, that's a hundred million people i think no i think the base i don't think it's not necessarily it's probably crazy is the wrong paradigm but i just think like just the it's so warped like it's the whole the whole country is and so surreal yeah I don't know. But New Zealand I, will be there in like two or three years' time, mate. Oh, shit, here? yeah, baby. Mate, uh, mate I, I don't know if you watched the news literally today, but our parliament lawn was on fire because people think that um, the fire alarm uh, is a like a, some sort of like sound device to attack the protesters. I can't even figure out what their logic was there, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, freedom. Someone's got to pay the price. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Paul text, uh, Paul couldn't do the podcast tonight because he's filming a TV show, but he he wrote to us, have fun guys, and remember that you can cut out anything that's going to upset the PC police, so just let your opinions fly. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought that was a funny joke, and then I immediately started talking about the origins of 9-11, and I was like, uh-oh, where am I going here? Hey, so going back to the All-Stars um, for a, uh, All-Star weekend, my beloved weekend, uh, yeah. Oh, I've got two um, things to say already. One is the three-point competition sucks. It's so boring because you just set the number and then you like know a guy's not going to get it. But I was thinking they should combine them. So only guys that can dunk. That, so you do like you shoot like four balls and then you dunk the fifth and you get an out of fifty score for your dunk, but you only get one attempt. <laughs> that would be so. How much better would it be? That would be sh- that would be shocking. And your logic, your logic that you just there. That's real recency bias. The three-point contest isn't good, but it's like for once a year, it's fine to find out like who can win it. Um, but there's been past years where someone sets a score of maybe like a good score, say 24. I can't, The scores change every year because they change like the the money ball and stuff like that. I, I, they were making a Jew ball this year, but yeah, they didn't even... Yeah, there's multiple. There's multiple Jew balls. Oh, wait, you, can, you, can you explain that to me in a second? But my point was going to be is like a good score is normally around 25, right? And there'll be a guy who'll score 24 and you're like, oh, that's probably the winner based on everyone shitting out. And then someone will, Steph Curry will step up and score a 29 or something. You'll be like, wow, just in this year's comp, Carl Anthony Towns set like an unbelievably high bar and just no one could catch it. So it was a bit anticlimactic. But it was still amazing to see Carl Anthony Towns a big win the three-point contest. That's awesome. Yeah, I, so I don't totally disagree, although it did annoy me that he then started talking about how he's the best um, big man shooter of all time. It's like, I'm not really... <laughs> Sure, that's true. But anyway, um, it, it might be who's who's better. I guess Dirk, Dirk? <laughs> yeah, by yeah. a long way, like multi. <laughs> he's won the three point contest, also won a championship. Yeah, I, I don't know what his, Dirk. I mean, I don't know what his percentage comparison is, but played in a different era. But anyway, I was thinking all the ways you could make that better, 
And imagine a team on team. You know that uh, in basketball that free throw game where you like you take you take a free throw. Then if the person gets it in before you, they knock you out. Bump, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome to see at the All Star. Or, or my, I, th- I genuinely think my three point slash dunk comp, or a version of bump that's three points. So one guy, you like shoot to start. You start on a rack. If the other guy gets through. If it like you can, as soon as you get five done, you can move on and you can like knock the person off. Yeah, um, bump is normally from the three point line. You are shooting it like playing kid version, going from the free throw line, or you play from halfway. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would love to see bump, man. I'd love to see. Um, they tried horse one year. Um, it didn't quite, it didn't quite work. But horse is kind of, you know, like they they do try things. But the three point contest is generally okay. But just what amazes me is every year the dunk contest is disappointing. It's been disappointing. Every year of my life, even if you go back to a good year, you look at like 2016, no. it's not that entertaining to watch. Like, so, we've seen all the dunks. Wait, Aaron, no way. Aaron, the Aaron Gordon, the, the one where he jumps over the mascot and Levine, that's incredible. I don't see how you, that was unbelievable. I, I guess I guess my position then is this, I, maybe the problem's me and I'm just no longer impressed by dunks, but I wasn't, even that year I was like, oh yeah, that was fine. But it's more the, the, the way that they can do it under pressure. Yeah, that's, I, I never really think about the pressure, but the, that obviously does get to some people. Um, I, I guess for me, as someone who's five foot nine and with like a two inch vertical leap, I'm still impressed by the ability to jump. Yeah, well, the, my logic for the dunk contest is they need to come up with a formula where people just throw down some like nice, easy dunks to start with. Like they need to make it in such a way that you build because like there's a there's a thing in. Um, comedy where you intentionally make mistakes to uh kind of show that you're riffing or show that it's to make it look like eddie izzard right it's called the illusion of spontaneity you and you try and make it look like it's off the cuff um a juggler early in their routine will drop a ball to show how difficult it is if the nba dunkers just came out and just threw down some easy dunks first then you would appreciate a windmill a windmill uh 360 but because they come out and their first dunk is a windmill 360 with the added excitement of in Timberlands, then it's kind of the whole thing can just feel anticlimactic because there's not much, there's not really a dunk you can do that's better than a windmill 360. And pretty much everything they do is just a, v- a variety of a windmill 360, but off a mascot or something, you know? So here's an idea. The NBA should mandate, they should get together in secret and slowly wind down the quality of dunks, like across the league as part of your contract. And like, rest, like really lowers people's expectations. So in five years' time, the dunk comp is literally just people like two-handing it from a standing start and then come back like with full dunks and everyone will be into it again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a solid idea. I or, mean, or why not have the NBA versus like, um, I know the professor's not a dunker. What's the dunking equivalent of the professor? Like it should be NBA versus and have it interleague. Believe it or not, teams. would you would you believe would you believe it if I told you that the dunking equivalent of the professor, and you by that you mean like a famous YouTube streetballer, yeah, is it's also a white guy? No way. I you won't believe this, but his I think his name's like Jordan Klingon or something like that, and um, he won like they they did like a um a TV show on like Fox Sports or maybe TNT. Shaq and um uh Kenny and uh. Charles Barkley were the commentators and it was called like the Sprite Ultimate Dunk King or something like that. 
and it was won by this guy who's like a big YouTuber, and he genuinely is an unbelievable dunker. He can dunk. Uh, he's done like he can do like a, a reverse dunk over a car, like over the roof. He does what's called a scorpion dunk, where he um, he takes his hand back around, like lower, like 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 the end of a cricket bo- delivery. He follows his back round and he dunks like. It's hard to explain, but it's just like the no, I'm looking at it. Dunk. I'm, I'm looking at it now, and he is not what I would never have pictured this guy as being like the best dunker in the world. He, he looks look, like he looks like a guy to wear Joker makeup and go and do a uh, shooting. T- <laughs> yeah, well, I was <laughs> close. I was going to say he looks like an even nerdier version of that ninja. You know that professional gamer. Yeah, yeah. But um, good on him. Good for him. It, it it is such a it is such a weird thing though. Like I just don't appreciate that. Like. For basketball, I don't like minimizing your skill set that much that all you can do is literally... Like, it annoyed me in the dunk contest that the guy who won, I can't remember his name, that's how unmemorable it was. Who was it? It was a guy, he's got a great... Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, yeah. Legendary name. One of Paul's great names. I, I'm embarrassed that I forgot that name. But um, he he wasn't dribbling. Like, you've at least... You've got to dribble in. Like, I feel like that's an important part of it. Yeah, well... Look, we can all agree that the dunk comp has got room to grow, but you know what doesn't? You know what's literally perfect? <laughs> the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. <laughs> now, <laughs> did you watch this? Do you know the theme of teams? Uh, the, 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 team, the themes were, uh, r- r- refresh my mind. Okay, well, let's play a game first. Okay, I'm going to name three things and you tell me like what connects them, right? A- an apple, an orange, and a banana. What's the theme there? Uh, I would say the theme is uh, fruit. Fruit, correct. Okay. Now, here are the participants for the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. Team Rooks. Team Cavs. <laughs> team Antikumpos, which doesn't even feature three NBA players. Features features Giannis and two brothers. Now, I'm just imagining the story, like, the guy who's in charge of the Taco Bell, Bell Skills Challenge, so he's spending weeks planning for this. He's, he's, he's getting all the best skills, guys with skills in the NBA, putting them into buckets. And then he gets a call from the Bucks being like, hey, yeah, Giannis will do it, but you have to include his whole brothers. It's like, well, <laughs> what's the team going to be? Just like, just call it Team Giannis, fine. <laughs> it, <laughs> did you? It's the, it was the most bonkers thing. It, none of it made sense. I couldn't work out who where these teams were. And then there was a point where... I'm sure that uh, Giannis's team lost, and then for some reason got a hundred points. Anyway, like two days later, I looked. I I couldn't get past how this had happened. I'm going to read this sentence to you. And does this sound like the sort of thing that's accessible to an average NBA plan? Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, t- the previous round, t- team passings. That's the name of a round. Also led to a tiebreaker between team rooks and team Antetokounmpo's. Officials broke that tie, determining Tim and Tadakumpos completed more outlet passes than Team Rocks, and the former received a hundred challenge points for that round. Like, who in what in what world is like some kid sitting down, being like, with a scorecard, keeping the the points? None of it made any sense. No, I, I I disagree. I think this is like perfect for kids, and like Team Antetokounmpo's is perfect, and it's like cool to do it with your brothers. And, um, but then it has to all be brothers. It can't be just then like one team and one just collection of rookies. Do you know what I mean? I love this brothers idea so much. And so you get like, um, so Antetokounmpo, there's two brothers in the league and then one brother in the G League, right? They were basically three NBA players. Um, 
but you could go um, the 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 Plumley brothers. Plumleys, yep, and the Lopezes. The Lopez. There's only two though, but they I, they must have pitched this. This is actually a great idea. That um and the all Hans, the Gordons. There's a million in France. Oh shit! Yeah, get the Wagners. And in fact, and what would be cool is every pair of brothers. If you don't have a third. You can you can nominate it, but it's someone that's last name sorta of has to sound phonetically similar. Yeah. Oh, make a team of Michael Porter Jr. and that's... Otto J- Porter Jr. and uh, that guy from the Rockets who's also like Porter Jr. the Porter Jr. brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would make as much sense as Team Rocks. Team Rocks. Yeah. The whole thing is um, it, the the whole thing's a marketing exercise for the NBA, and I think a lot of people have made this point. It is a bizarre marketing exercise because it's. Like if you're watching, if that's your first experience of the NBA, you're like, this is a terrible, weird thing. And if that's your first experience of um, Steph Curry's, um, now you already hate Steph Curry, so you're the perfect person to th- throw this at. Steph Curry, you know how NBA players diversify? Like it makes sense when you're a rich person, you do other businesses. And famously, like back in the day, NBA players and athletes, they always buy bars, hairdressers and car auto repair shops. And those are all terrible investments in very hard businesses. Um, Steph Curry, and a lot of them now have gone into media. And like LeBron James obviously has like the undisputed network. Like that's, they often make money off just putting themselves into shows. Um, but Steph Curry's gone a bit more whack. Like it's not like just Kevin Durant who's making documentaries about himself. <laughs> Steph Curry, um, his first concept was. Um, uh, competitive mini golf, and that was just absolutely horrific. The new show is, and I work in television, I pitch shows, has got to be, I mean, I guess the concept's fine. The concept is playing um, Never Have I Ever, right? Which is oh, a game show no. that only it only works on the idea that you will admit hugely embarrassing things about yourself. Like, you've got to basically talk about your deepest sexual regrets for that concept to work, right? Never have I ever, basically, or drunk or drunk stories, right? They're doing it family-friendly styles. So they, the way they do it is they have two glasses. It can't even be alcohol. So one's blue Powerade and one's red Powerade. And I was like, if that's integrated with Powerade, like that's already and, cooked. Yeah. And, and what's Steph Curry's role in this? Just producer and ideas man. He no, he's he. Did you not see this? No, I don't. I don't follow Steph Curry like Newswire. No, no, no. <laughs> No, you don't understand. We watched the the Antetokounmpo brothers take on the rookies, take on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Basel Challenge. And then yeah. they go, all right, time for the next thing. And I was like, great, the three-point contest. I can't wait. And they're like, no, the next thing is Steph Curry's new TV show oh. live on stage in front of 17,000 people. You're right? joking. So I missed this a massive Easter egg. Yes. So Steph Curry walks out, right? He's getting booed straight away. Straight away. <laughs> And then they bring out Steph Curry's wife, and you're like, okay, this is quite weird, but she's she's a well-known personality. She's kind of in the NBA world. That's fine. Then they go, okay, they've got to compete against another couple, and you're like, oh, great. It'll be like LeBron James and his wife or another famous NBA couple. No, they competed against um, uh, 2 chains and his <laughs> business partner wife, all right? Now, all these people got in their hands two champagne glasses one with red Powerade and one with blue Powerade, which uh. looks disgusting. And then they play basically um, a game of like, I don't know if you call it Never Have I Ever, whatever. You, one of those games where you have to drink, a drinking game where you have to drink to like an embarrassing thing if you've done it, right? Yeah, right. Okay. And the way that game is fun is you go take a shot or whatever, take a drink, 
if you have ever um, uh, done skinny dipping, right? And then you do the drink and people go, oh my God, guy, I can't believe you've done skinny dipping. And then you go, what was your story? And you'll have a laugh about the funny story about the time you did skinny dipping, right? Yeah, right. In this case, all they did was just ask them the most banal questions. They all drunk, depending on if they'd done it or not. And then there was no other details or like they didn't go further that steph curry and his wife and two chains and his wife didn't talk so this <laughs> is what they asked who has crazier friends and then they would drink to who has crazier friends and then there'd be no elaboration about how crazy the friends were or crazy things the friends had done they just moved on to the next question which was who makes weirder sounds so this is like a live version of a cringy influencer couple content on in front of 17,000 people it was just like it was just so as someone who's been part of a lot of live train wrecks in front of I've done a lot of things similar to this but never like on the scale and never with so many millions of dollars in my bank account like I would do it but I'd do it because I'm desperate for a couple of grand you know do you reckon reckon when it kicked off Giannis was storming over there demanding that team enter the compo was (laughs) added to the stage (laughs) and then it started and they would Im- have improved it massively. Give oh, them a definitely. microphone and they're charismatic and likable and they go crazy, you know. Oh, it just, I can't believe you missed that because that was absolutely a highlight for me. What a great moment in the All-Star weekend. Yeah, no, that was, that sounds amazing. Um, one other highlight um, for me was Machine Gun Kelly, one of my most hated people in the world, being like unbelievably bad at basketball. Like just a humiliatingly bad. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Did you catch? Um, it? Did you catch him? Like not even being able to like airballing two footers and the like. I saw the um. I saw the TikTok you sent me with a sarcastic basketball commentator talking about how much he was tearing up, and I did. I did find that quite humorous. Yeah. Is he from Cleveland? What? Why? Is, or is he just flavor of the month? No, that's just the best celebrities they could get. Isn't Machine Gun Kelly though? Is he not married to Megan Fox? Isn't he a huge deal at the moment? Yeah, I think he is, but it's weird in America because it's always hard to tell who's a real celebrity. Like, you know that if you're on the All-Star game, you're not really that famous, right? Like, that's the that's the twist. The celebrity All-Star game? Yeah, like, you're not that famous if you're on that. They've had, not like Brad they've had, I mean, I remember one year I watched and they had Quavo and Justin Bieber. Like, it was pretty good. I think Bieber is top tier, but I think Bieber wants to try and flex on how good he is at basketball. Yeah, well, that's I think true, you're, but... only, you're only going to get, like, the... The guys that are actually like surprisingly good at basketball that want to show off, or or sort of like top of B tier talent. Yeah, I mean, this year the celebrity game was at rock bottom. Um, I I totally agree with you there. But Machine Gun Kelly at the moment, sadly, um, white rappers like me and you should become rappers, eh? Because it is embarrassing. I once had a friend say that Hamilton would be better if they did fast rapping like Eminem did, and it's just like sometimes it's just so embarrassing to be white. And but, white uh, rappers are embarrassed. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna make that argument. But I do have a real issue with that style. Like, I everyone's like Hamilton's so amazing, but he just like talks in a slight. It's not really. It's but it's no, like I forgot you hated Hamilton. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck my friend who wants it to be like Eminem. Fuck people who like white rappers. In my mind, there are no good white rappers. Can I say this right now? I don't even think the Beastie Boys are very good. Like they're fine. They got a couple of okay songs, Uh-oh. but like all white rappers should just be banned. Get rid of them. I don't think. No, I think you're way off base with the Beastie Boys. I, the I don't. Beast- 
I don't think people regard them as like amazing, actually, like as rappers, like Flow or whatever. It's the, yeah. um, it's a couple of iconic albums, that, especially the way they sampled music to make songs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, aren't they legends? Um, my point is, is that I they what... are. I don't know. Are legends? Oh yeah, they are literally <laughs> legends. Yeah, that's a good point. But let me no. Let me hit you. Let me hit you. This is the embarrassment that I feel. Okay. I went into a radio station in New Zealand, and uh, they call it urban radio station, but it's like a brown person station called Flavor FM. And okay. after I did the interview to promote my TV show, they go, can you hang around to pick your favorite uh, classic hip hop songs? It's like they do it on a Sunday afternoon to like fill a time when they've got no hosts. They have like a guest just come on and just throw to five songs and, and you just say why you like the song. So I was like, oh, this is Nisha Mystic. When I was 12 years old, I pirated the song and I remember it fondly. It was like, I never went to a party, but if I did, this is the song I'd play. <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, I like had like, this is Kanye college dropout is what got me into hip hop, you know, like stuff like that. Right. When I finished recording, the producer said, bro, I can't believe you didn't pick Beastie Boys. Every white person we've ever had on here has picked Beastie Boys as their hip hop. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like literally white people come on there and they'll pick a Beastie Boys song, an Eminem song, a Beastie Boys song, and an Eminem song. And that's their like playlist. And it's like, the cringe is just, is just okay, I, I'll, I'll retract what I said before. You're allowed to like Beastie Boys. And I do, I do love the song Paul, Paul Revere, but I will say you just can't talk about it. Just don't, just keep it to yourself. No, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with keeping mum. But just on the subject of flavor, I think if you request, I listen to, I'm a flavor listener. And is that because you've got a shit car and um, the bandwidth doesn't go above? Because that's no, their main listenership, I think. Genuinely, my favorite radio station in New Zealand. It probably, I think Maya is the best, and then Flavor's decent. Yeah. No, nah, I'm more of a Flavor. I, do you know why? Because Maya was playing too much Chris Brown for a while, and I found it a little bit problematic. Yeah. Okay. And so, out of protest, I went to Flavor, who plays pretty much nothing but that Rihanna um, and Eminem Superman song, <laughs> which I'm, I think also might have some wet challenging themes but i haven't confirmed that uh, I, I don't even know the song i i i know that um there's an eminem rihanna song uh, i thought it was love the way you lie i don't know what oh, superman man, i think that is I, I call that the superman song is that the song where he he raps he goes i'm looking as you as you walk away that's why i'm looking through the window as you walk away that's why they call it window pane is it that song uh i think so it's it seems quite stalkerish to me but i've never um never confirmed that yeah um, okay, back to the All Star Game for a second, though. Um, unless you've got more window pane Eminem <laughs> observations. Um, no, but I did. This is quite a nice line. You don't get another chance. Life is no Nintendo game, <laughs> but you lied again. Quite a specific <laughs> reference. I assume that's a Nintendo game. Quite a okay. Um, and but also in life, in relationships, you do, you, uh, you often get second uh, chance. Have I told you my Eminem um, conspiracy theory? No, I want to hear it though. Uh, okay, part of it I'm not comfortable I'm going to say off here, but I'll say this part on air. I, I, he's got a fake beard. Eh? Like, I believe he had a beard transplant. <laughs> that, uh, you cannot find any pictures of any facial hair on him at all pre him having a full beard. It just doesn't – something doesn't add up to me there. I mean, okay, this is the most pathetic conspiracy theory I've ever heard. Um, and – he, he, you don't see Eminem all the time. He just would have grown it and is away from camera and then released, you know, come out into but, public. He's not but, a very public person. But he's like a 50-year-old man who's been famous for 25 years. 
very famous. You cannot find a photo with him with any facial facial hairstyle other than completely shaven or full creepy looking beard. Um, please, please just tell us the bit you'll. I'll edit it out if it's offensive. What's the bit that you are worried about that you want nah, to say off here? I'm not. I'm not willing. To, I'm honestly not even willing to say it on any recording device in case it leaked. It's not a trust to trust issue. Wow. I would get. I would get cancelled. Wow. I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you can't get cancelled, JT. And this is what infuriates me with their view on cancel culture. You're not famous. No one cares who you are. How are you gonna are you gonna get fired from this podcast with me? Like you're not big enough to get cancelled. Like the only people who get cancelled are people who are celebrities who have corporate endorsements or a live crowd they need to sell tickets. No, to. but it would be like a preemptive cancelling. Like I would be cancelled now for and and okay. So let's put it this way, right? Let's say that um, you have you don't have a car, but you lose your license for some reason. Okay? <laughs> but you don't have a car. When you go, and then five years later, you get a car. Someone's like, oh, no, we cancelled your license. You can't drive this car. Do you get what I mean? I don't want the preemptive. (laughs) You are outrageous, and I can't believe you're worried about cancel culture. And people who are worried about cancel culture infuriate me. Louis C.K. got cancelled for, like, genuine sexual harassment complaints, and then now he's been nominated for an Emmy, and he's doing gigs in... uh, uh, Hang on. Hang on a second. An Emmy for what? I thought he was actually cancelled. No, Louis C.K. is nominated this year for an Emmy for Best Comedy Album. Oh, my God. That's quite crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Didn't, he go, not, didn't it, he go for the full not even apologise, like, double down route? Uh, what oh, happened? No, no, he did the, oh, no, he did the even more classic move. Half-hearted public apology, then instantly start doing stand-up where he's like, I didn't do anything. Yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. He, um... He, for people who don't know, Louis C.K. was caught like trapping women in his hotel room and masturbating in front of them and masturbating on the phone. And then he started his last special because I watched the special. I didn't pay for it. Um, have I told you this story before? No. His opening line is like, I've had a tough year. So you think you've had a bad year. I've had a really bad year. Like almost like feel bad for me kind of thing. And then he just, he, so he dresses it very briefly in that way, like, and how many millions of dollars he lost or whatever. And then his opening joke is like, it's weird you can't say the word retarded anymore. And I'm no, like, hey, yeah, no. Louis, that is kind of weird. But do you know what's really weird and really interesting? Um, <laughs> masturbating into pot plants. That is fascinating. And it, that's what infuriates me about him because he's supposed to be the greatest comedian or one of the greatest comedians of all time. He should have been able to turn this into like thoughtful comedy and spun it into something and and also being like sympathetic and apologetic at the same time. Like clearly he has some sort of like consent issue and some sort of like perversion there that he needs help with. But instead he just ignored it. And I was like, this guy genuinely is like a, uh, I don't care for him. I don't care for him. What I don't understand is what bills do these guys need to pay? Like if you're Louis C.K. and that happens, wouldn't you just be like, you know what? I've had a good run. Yeah. Just retire early. He must've made a lot of bank. Yeah, almost, almost to the like. It's not. I'm not. I'm not making this. This is saying it's the same. But it's like Larry David doing that crypto ad. Just stop making money after a certain yeah. point. Like, just stop. But we. It's easy for us. It's easy for us to say. Like, obviously, money is like an addiction. And if you get offered, uh, you know, for Larry David, it'd be tens of millions of dollars, or not tens of millions, but multi-million dollars 
to do a half day shoot or a full day shoot, it's like you're like, oh, I might as well take that free money. Do you know um, that you know Cheryl and um, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Her husband is what's his name? Um, Robert Kennedy. Robert Kennedy oh, Jr. Did I already tell you this? No, but you know I, know, I just know about um, I know about so comedy. For the listeners, I don't. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is like the biggest anti-vaxxer in America. Yeah, top selling and quite anti-Semitic, I believe. He's the king. Yeah, and and that's why the um, JFK connections are. It's, it's all too perfect, you know. Like it's, the whole thing's crazy. Are those people who are waiting for JFK to come back in Dallas, are they still there waiting for him? I, I'm so interested. Uh, I don't know if they're still in Dallas, but they're still like a collection of people. But they're still going. They're still, yeah, they're oh, still that, alive. That, but that one is the best conspiracy, or the best thing, because so for people that don't know about this, this is a collection of people that believe a whole lot of celebrities, uh, including Robin Williams, uh, which is a, I've always thought was a strange one, and JFK, are alive, and Elvis are alive and are pretending to be other people. And so they went to this public park in Dallas and camped there for like two weeks because they believed they were going to show up. But the but the absolute masterstroke of this belief is that they they don't necessarily believe that they're going to come back in the same physical form. So they're like, they'll go up to some random old man and be like, "Are you Robin Williams?" And they'll person just be like, "What?" And then they'll be like, "Confirmed. He's he's back." Man, he's good at throwing <laughs> There's got to be a name for that, eh? Because that is, and I, I see this in some of the people that Flat Earth and stuff I interview. It's like, I don't, I often feel bad for them. Like, it is just like, it's it's full on some sort of mental illness. And there must be a name for it because it's, it's crazy. Uh, final All-Star Game takes um, in this one week late All-Star Game special. I mean, this is mental illness, really, us recording an All-Star podcast. Uh, a month later. Steph Curry took too many threes. Boring. No one wants to see that in the All-Star game. Do you know what? This is like brainwashing. Fans don't like... Fans want to see crazy three-pointers in games. Three-pointers outside of games that matter are not a good spectacle. No. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saying it, JT. But I don't think... But like honestly, one of the commentators, uh, probably Dwayne Wade, I don't know, someone annoying, at that... Um, at All Star was like they should make the three point competition the last event. No way, it's not the premier event. Yeah, and the dunk contest um, has the potential to be good. They just need more dunkers, less attempts given, and higher stakes, and they'll they'll fix it. But it is it is hard. Yeah, just make it crazier. Like make it go like the team entered a compo route, and just like let players form their own teams. Huge cash prize, but like make it a mix between like Squid Game style, like. No, no death, obviously, but like nah, school, death, death. schoolyard games. Like, have you ever watched Ninja, that Ninja Warrior game thing? Yeah. Like, do that sort of stuff, but that you've got to like shoot it. Just crazy stuff. It would be so much better. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel, I, I kind of feel, yeah, yeah. Like they have to um, swim a length and then jump out of the pool and flip off a wall and shoot a ball into the hoop. Yeah, or like Survivor style challenges would be awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, you're a big Survivor fan. What would be a good Survivor f- game for the All-Star Weekend? Well, let's say it was like East versus West, like two tribes. And one of the big event, one of the big where they have to maybe, say, carry some log up as a team, up and like through a obstacle course, smash through a door, then use that log as a ladder up a, up a bloody wall, and then yeah. a, a puzzle at the end. Yeah, I love it. I'm totally into it. And you would, yeah, imagine Dwight Howard trying to do a puzzle. It would be wildly entertaining. Who do you think um, would be the puzzle master? 
Chris Paul, uh, he's got he's a, he'd be a real puzzle guy. I um I I, I my last call for All Star takes. Um, I, I just want to say Aaron Gordon, and I know he possibly has a career as the fourth option on the Nuggets, <laughs> but like not for long. What do you mean not for long? He sucks. He's nah, only, nah, he's only nah. 26. It's what? so sad. It's so sad. It's like he's only 26. Yeah, but like do the dunk contest. Like he is probably the, well, the greatest dunker of, of all time. One of the greatest dunkers, if not the greatest. He's never won a dunk contest. He needs that for his legacy. That's 90% of what he has. And if he just goes back in the dunk contest this year, he wins it. He closes the door on that chapter. And the fact that he, the only person he's depriving by by pulling out a dunk contest because he was robbed two years. The only person that he's fucking over is himself and his own legacy because he kind of is going to be disappeared besides the highlights of his few good dunks. Um, it's it's sad, man. Do you know who's the oldest person to ever win the dunk comp? Uh, uh, I should be able to get this. Well, probably Nate Robinson because he, he went in like four years in a row. I'm just looking it up here. Wait. <laughs> Wait, do you not know the answer to the question you asked? No, I just sort of be. I was like, I genuinely wondered if you knew. Yeah, okay. What's the tallest uh, building in France? Dominique, well, Eiffel Tower. He's- Allow me to go. <laughs> okay, you're correct. I won't even Google it because you're right. <laughs> uh, Dominic Wilkins, 30 years old. Wow. He won it when he was 30. Yeah, Nate, Nate Robinson was only 26 when he won it. Well, when he won it the second time. That's pretty old. Like, normally you go in when you're, like, 21. Yeah, well, that's what I was getting at about Aaron Gordon. Like, this is it. He, he's he got to get out there. But he would have won this year. He'll win next year if he goes in. Like, the bar, he had bad luck to run against Zach Levine. And the guy he lost to the other year, while he was robbed, that dude from the Heat was one of the greatest leapers in NBA history and was a good dunk. It's funny, I've already forgotten his name. But Aaron Gordon, man, you're effing up. Um, any other final or all-star game opinions you want to get out there? Nah. It's time for the Week in Review. Week in Review. Now, JT, every freaking week, you do, you go, you go in the group chat and you write down, hey guys, I'm going to um, uh, fill in the spreadsheet or whatever that is. I've updated the spreadsheet. That's the message you send. Yeah. And I think, wow, that's so good that JT's like doing extra effort, a lot of, a lot of work. And every week I go check out the spreadsheet about five, five minutes before the podcast starts. And all you've written every week, basically, is a couple of like semi-jokes. And then you write, Ja Morant is the coolest player in the NBA. Yeah, well, st- oh, well, this is outrageous. Every I've, week! I've got three great talking points on here. I don't even think he's that cool. Ja Morant is, okay, well, let's settle a separate debate first. Do you think, what do you think is a cooler... Um, Dance move slash celebration, the gritty or the dab? What was the first option? Do you know the gritty? I've never heard of the gritty. No, I'm the I'm gritty is where you like throw your arms down, sort of lean your forward, like run, and you sort of clip, clip your heels a little bit as you run forward. It's like what Joe Morant does all the time. I've never seen this before, oh. but that's not cool. And a dab is not cool either. Um, JT has got so excited doing his dance moves that his headphones have fallen <laughs> off. I, I hit the cord out while I was doing the gritty. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the answer? The gritty's cool, I'm guessing, whatever Ja Morant does. How can you honestly, you honestly don't think Ja Morant's the coolest? No, I think he's fine, but it's like everyone's talking about how great Clay is. It's like, if the whole narrative is just this is the coolest person all the time, which is Reddit's opinion and Twitter's opinion as well, 
it just he cool is something you earn over a period of time. You don't just like do six weeks of cool haircuts and then you're like, oh wow, he's cool. Well, yeah, but like he has earned it by because he's like he's like real good looking and cool, plays for a cool team, and does awesome dunks all the time and celebrations. I don't think the Grizzlies are a very cool team, but they do have cool Vancouver throwbacks. I think they are very cool. I think they got a cool vibe and a cool swag. And one other, and Jamarant, you know those stories that from the Dave Chappelle show that Charlie Murphy tells about Prince playing basketball. Yeah, that that is honestly in my head what I pictured. Like Jamarant is that exact image. Yeah, yeah, he's just so small and so fast and cool and cool. Yeah, okay. But, but you're bearing the real um, top talking point. What's the top talking point? On my spreadsheet. Okay, sorry. It says um, return of the goat. Brackets. Faults. Faults is back, baby. Markel Faults is back. I like how I was glad you said Markel Faults because a lot of people will be listening, going, "Who is Faults?" And if you Google Faults goat, you can get a iPhone phone case with Faults. Uh, weirdly, it's the Philadelphia jersey <laughs> <laughs> with number twenty and a goat's head on it, which is quite 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 ironic. But he's back. So Paul, it's a sad sad that Paul isn't here, but really, really good return game. Ten points. Yeah, your excitement over Fultz has really been kill, uh, killed by the sober reality of saying this to me without Paul here to like back you up. Hey, you're fucked. Uh, he's it's great to see him back, but it did Fultz make- is just like I can't tell if people are mocking him or not. Like, no. is this a joke? Like, I feel kind of sad for the guy, but he's just he's a steady NBA probably six man bench spark, and it's just kind of sad that he was the number one pick and and had that condition. Um, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah, I think that's why people do root for him because they feel sorry for him. But he's come back on the scene. The comeback I'm worried not. Sorry, the comeback I'm concerned with was his, his new logo. What's his it, new logo? It's just literally the word Markel, but all the letters are like overlapping. It's one of the most shocking, and it made me think how much guys have changed over the years. Like how much personal logos is a thing. Yeah, and, and really, what good ones are there? Like the claw, yeah. the claw is famously bad, but Nike still tried to sell it. Literally, just a big hand. Yeah, the jo- the Jordan logo is obviously the the classic. The silhouette is kind of what pioneered it, and Shaq and a whole bunch of ath- athletes copied that to great effect. King Griffey Jr. Um, who else had a silhouette logo for a while? There, it was all the Shaq, rage in the nineties. Did you say Shaq? Yeah, Shaq, uh, King Griffey Jr. Um, there was a whole bunch of them. Maybe Deion Sanders. I mean, obviously the NBA logo is the original of that, the silhouette. But um, see oh, the Jordan did, logo. Did it, Charles Barkley had one, which was him like literally, wasn't it him like grabbing a rebound? It was so lame. It was like. Yeah, I, maybe. Pippen might have had one as well. But um, seeing the Jordan logo on the PSG shirt is weird, I think. To cross it across sports. And I understand the brand is that famous, but still. Kind of a little bit embarrassing for PSG. I mean, PSG's got bigger issues than that, but... Um, but logos have got a, a lot worse. What? I think feel like logos have got a lot worse. How do, yeah. where, where do you come down on Lamella's number one with wings? I didn't, didn't, know, didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's quite nice. Okay, so what I just realized, though, is that we're doing the Saturday Night Live thing and the Slam Dunk thing, but for logos, it's like... And the music thing, it's like, oh, what an amazing coincidence that all the best music that was ever released 
was released when I was um, no, between that, the ages of 12 and 25. That wasn't going to be my take. My take was like the best era, or maybe, oh, wait, actually maybe my take is what exactly what you're going to be saying. But I think it's like <laughs> the it's like the Paul George era, so like the where it's your initials, but in some cool stylized design. Yeah, no, that wasn't cool. I think um, the, P, the PG logo is awesome. Yeah, but um, basically logos for athletes are aimed at kids. Mascots are aimed at kids. The slam dunk contest is aimed at kids. All basketball shoes are multicolored and aimed at kids. Like we, it's just this hard reality of that we are old now and that these things are not for us. SNL is not for us. But if you're 17 years old, actually 17 year olds probably like TikTok, right? But anyway, someone out there still it likes Pete Davidson and SNL, um, but it might not be for you because you remember when you were 14 and you loved it, you know? Yeah. I don't. I. I don't think I'm. I'm just a TikTok guy. I think. Do you think? Um. Here's a comedy question that I think about a lot because comedy is kind of a young man's game, and I'm 34 now. I'm. I'm. I'm like an elder statesman, a very respected person in the community. Comedy. The funniest comedy for me I remember is being 16, 15, 14 years old at high school. Like high school kids were the funniest to me. And they're friends and you have a lot of in-jokes and things that only those people know. And there's so many cooked people in your class that are just hilarious. And there's fights that are funny. And there's horrific things people say to the teacher that's funny. It's just like a funny time. And then beyond that, like a young man's game or young woman's game. Sorry, guys. uh, Till you're like 25. That's like where good comedy comes from. And then as you get older, you just get worse and worse and less funny and less funny. And yeah, you just lose that passion for life and that's my that's my take yeah well i think you just might be more, a little more joyous though right so it's, you're just more willing to laugh yeah yeah and just just happier and as we get older we get gr- gr- grumpier and grumpier until we're cooked oh see that's- i had the time of my life at high school yeah you me back there no i was going to get back there too uh, every day uh, and how good was the dunk contest when we were in high school uh, it was so good everything was so good and the music was so good yeah. um didn't care for the music are you much older than me? Uh, I think well, I'm we're like, the same era, right? Ish. I'm I'm a little older than you. I think a couple of years. Because I think the era that I grew up with in music is honestly the worst era in music history. Like I remember a lot of the songs. I remember Rihanna Umbrella as one of the greatest songs of all time, and I think it does still hold up. I think but, uh, I think Rihanna is legitimately a good artist. Yes. Okay. But but I mean, she's an exception to the rule. Like I, my era is like. Spice Girls through to uh, Pitbull. That's basically my childhood, right? Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, and that era has got to be the worst time for music. And there's like little blips of goodness in there. Kanye, Radiohead, uh, Kendrick Lamar, but beside Eminem, if you're white. <laughs> um, I'm not. Uh, but my point is that's got to be one of the worst eras in music. I know everyone thinks their childhood music is the best music, but for my childhood, I'm like, it's actually des- uh, terrible. But it might also just be everyone feels like that because when they're a kid, they only hear the pop music. Mm. So like a band like Pavement was around in the mid to late 90s, who I love now. Yeah. But I, I never heard Pavement when I was growing up. Like it yeah, wasn't man. on 92.2 XSFM with, you know, Mike S and Baldrick or whatever. There was no. I, I have no idea what you're talking about here. What, are you talking about? Um, uh, like, Palmy Radio Station. Like I'm, I think they turned into more FM. What I'm saying is they were just playing Britney. Yeah. Yeah, but like the 2000s, 2000 to 2010 has to be one of the worst decades of music history, I'd say. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, unfortunately, I don't have a categorical knowledge of music release. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, man. Let's get to the let's get to the spreadsheet. I really took us off. Uh, cool. oh, I'm glad you put this on there. Um, this. Oh no, there's only one thing left on the spreadsheet. Now, this one I will admit was not very well thought out, but uh, Demar Derozan for MVP, or as I said, Demar VP. Yeah. Um, it is pretty cool, and he's got to be at least fourth on the ratings. I don't think he has a chance in yeah, hell of getting it. If the Bulls top the East, how on earth are you not giving it to him? Yeah, um, well, because the Bulls aren't for real. It's like going um, when the Atlanta Hawks were the best team in the world. How are you not giving it to Paul Millsap? You know, like just because you're the best player on the on the on the team with the best regular season record doesn't mean shit. Like no one thinks the Bulls are a serious. Championship contender, yeah, they? but Paul Millsap wasn't averaging thirty points and had like five game winners. Oh well, well, yeah, game. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No one, no, no game winners or like cool dunks or like j- you, how cool you are is not a thing. Okay, I love DeRozan. I love his record, but I got to push back against this. He is in the NBA com- MVP conversation, but he's not close to Embiid, Jokic, or Giannis. He's not close. He can be fourth if he wants. I think, honestly, if the six is like fourth, third or fourth, and the Bulls are first, give it to DeMar. I mean, hey, I the same you, my, my heart says what you're thinking, but my head says uh, it's probably Jokic actually back-to-back. I mean, pretty incredible season. Um, should we just play a quick game of, uh, uh, was that game we made up where it was like hot or not? Oh, yeah. Oh, um... <laughs> Chronicle Bivana, Chronicle Bivana. Yeah, definitely. I love this game because the Heat are the top of the East at the moment. Chronic, and, um, so chronic. Yeah, I'd probably give them a chronic A. So you're saying the Bulls? The Bulls have actually lost two in a row after your your spouting their um, uh, excellence. They're only six and four in their last ten. But yeah, a, a good little um, bet that I put on at the start of the year was Bam Adebayo for MVP. What? Yeah, I put a bet on at the start of the year for Bam Adebayo. That's a shocking bet, and you, how much not. money do you, you just piss that money down the drain? There's no way. He's a legit, I, he, mark my words, I stand by this, he will win MVP in his career. Okay, if, if he wins it this year, I was going to say, I'll pay you $1,000, like, there's just no way. He's not even, he's not even in the consideration, but, like, I, I, even that just seems like a crazy, I mean, can you elaborate a little bit more, like... Is he even the best player in the Heat? Like, what? I'd say it'd be close. But if you think... So, Draymond Green is legitimately... It would have been a finals MVP, legitimately, before he kicked LeBron in the nuts. No, 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 no. That's what he said fucking um, four days ago. Don't listen to Draymond Green's bullshit. I think he's a great player, and he's a linchpin. And if he doesn't come back, the Warriors are in big trouble. Like, he's okay, well, he is, like, crucial to the Warriors. Okay, but- let's put it this way. Draymond Green, as a passer and a defender was the second best player on one of the best teams of all time, right? Yes, yes. So, and he could have won finals MVP. Yeah, maybe. So my logic but, is Bam Adebayo is bigger, as, as, could be as good as both of those things and better offensively. You're like, you're like unhinged and your love of the heat, this is, this, is like not, this is not as bad as your view that Duncan Robinson, who is, can't shoot, is the greatest yeah, shooter that doesn't, of all time. That doesn't look good. I don't, Duncan's not been great, I don't think. <laughs> that didn't look good before you said it. That didn't look good while you were saying it, and that definitely doesn't look look good a day after you said it. There's only one, and there's no takes I ever regret. 
and I what and that is one of my that's the hardest one to, not to regret. Me, <laughs> me also saying that Kobe Bryant would be a six man at best in today's NBA. I still had a semi stand by that. I love that view that there's no take you've ever said that you ever regret. Me too. Me, I, I agree with that as well. Me too, man. I've never said anything I regret. Uh, I don't. I don't regret picking Jalen Suggs for Rookie of the Year. I've never made a bad take in my life. Okay, so we're gonna let's do some. You well, let's do two each from it. Uh, one each. You know, two each total. One from each conference. Okay. You start. So, Chronicle Bublonic. <laughs> Chronicle Bublonic. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, oh, you don't want to give them a chronic, but you, then I don't think they'd be bonic either. Mm-hmm. I think there's a plague probably in the neighbouring village, but <laughs> they haven't let the, anyone in. There's no merchants are allowed in at, at their well, village. Ironically, their neighbouring village is literally Chicago, like an hour down the road. Oh yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, no plague there. Uh, I think you've got to say the Bucks are probably pretty chronic. Once, I mean, they're a bit like the Cavs, old Cavs, right? They just want to get through the season. But they've made a lot of like personnel decisions that seem to be backfiring, and like it's a shame because if they still had PJ Tucker, who ironically is helping the Heat, and if they, you know, like had made a few. I mean, losing Brooke Lopez to injury is kind of bad luck. But did, did, yeah. did Tucker want too much money? Because I'll tell you the first thing that would be a warning sign for me if I was the owner of a team. Any GM who lets PJ Tucker go, like in what world and what team does PJ Tucker not help you win a championship? Yeah, it, it, I think it would have been largely a financial decision, but he is so old. Like every year for the last five years, have been like, it's like Chris Paul, uh, you're like, surely this is his last year. And he continues to excel. Totally. I, I get that. But then you think it's only four months ago that he was guarding KD. Like he's yeah. the, our only chance. Yeah. So amazing. Um, okay. Well, I'll do my one. Oh, what, did you say the Chronic or Bubonic? Are you saying Bubonic? Uh, nah, just like I, I, this game is stupid. You, you go for one. Okay. Well, I was going to go for the Raptors. Uh, well, they've been Bubonic all year. Like, I love them. Um, they're my team. And they do cool stuff, and I'm excited about the way their future. But they they're just all over the shop. Like they're good, they're bad, they're everything in between. They've got young talent that's promising. They've got uh, older talent that's failing. Like yeah, just I'd say bubonic, I guess. Okay, yeah, they're pretty bubonic. I don't know why I said then. Yeah, you really <laughs> wasted one there. There's so many good Dang. teams. Okay, now I'll bring it back to fun. Okay, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, great one. Got to be chronic. Got to be one of the most chronic chronics you'll ever see. So here's my thing. This is a good take, and I stand by this for the rest of my life. Daryl Morey isn't a good GM. He's just friends with James Harden. Uh, uh, 100%. I'm with you on this. His best skill is just being like the best mate of one guy. (laughs) But but like, oh, he's probably a skill as being, obviously, he's real good with the players, right? Because he's tight as with Embiid. He's more like a Machiavellian style or a little, little finger style operator where he just works out the power center and really just goes all in. So I hope no one ever finds my Reddit account because it's literally just Guy Williams. It's just my name. So it can be easily found. But about every three days, I wake up in the morning, I look at NBA Reddit, I see some horrific takes, and I decide to add my own horrific takes. And basically, I got so infuriated the Reddit, and Reddit is unfortunately the way it works is it basically just, there's no room for nuance. It just goes, you know, it's upvote or downvote. Basically, just everyone piles on in a direction. Russell Westbrook's amazing or Russell Westbrook's terrible. And the momentum just carries that and you just can't 
But you know when Russell Westbrook does something good, his fans will come out and up. But anyway, the take on the Harden trade was that Daryl Morey is a genius and everyone who said he held on to Simmons too long is an idiot. And can I just say this? Daryl Morey got bailed out by a bizarre, crazy set of circumstances. And that is that the Nets had no leverage. This was the Nets situation. They signed three superstars in a very unusual way on handshake deals that they were all friends and they would all agree to re-sign. Only one of those three players re-signed, Kevin Durant, and the other two are due. One got injured, James Harden. The other is insane and stopped playing because he couldn't get vaccinated and became a part-time NBA player who only plays in road games. It's the most bizarre situation. As a result, the team that would have probably won the championship last year had they been healthy, combusted, and then all of a sudden you've got this bizarre situation where James Harden can walk in the offseason. Him and KD obviously had a falling out. And as a result, they've got nothing. They can't trade James Harden for shit and he's going to walk for nothing. So the Nets actually getting Simmons, Curry, and a couple of picks actually did unbelievably well. And it was one fucked team, the Nets, trading with another fucked team, the Sixers. And both teams, I think, did pretty well. But do not give Maury credit for the bizarre situation where Kyrie Irving tanked one of the most amazing teams assembled of all time. Well, also, no, well, I agree with all that. And also, you're missing the part where James Harden would have said to all other teams, I won't resign with you. Yeah. So basically, yeah. only had one team to. And also, Murray got unbelievably lucky because Simmons wasn't playing. They then played Tyrese Maxey a heap, who then looked awesome, and they didn't include him in the trade where they would have otherwise. Yeah, and and while I'm excited for Philadelphia, and like I think it's a great team, and I do love Embiid, and I'm excited for those guys to go into the playoffs potentially as the Eastern Conference favorites at this stage. I mean, I guess the Heat still are, but like it's a pretty powerful lineup. Um, it could easily go bad. They have all their money tied, assuming they max James Harden. And maybe, who knows? Maybe James Harden takes less money because he's an altruist and he, he can see he wants to help out his good friend Maury or whatever. But say, assuming assuming Harden takes the Russell Westbrook deal, and because Chris Paul's on the Players Association, he can probably do it for like five years. James Harden could easily become, with one injury or one um, just getting out of shape, an albatross contract, and could end the process and. Ja- it could, it's, it's potentially could go very wrong. It probably won't, and it's. I would do that move every time, but just, uh, yeah, it could be crazy bad. Who knows? Yeah, I think I agree. I think they, I think they've got a good shot. Do you know? Is it like accepted canon that um, James Harden wore a fat suit? No, <laughs> no, you man, you're crazy. No, people talk you, about it. You made this up, and have just said it so many times that now you think other people are saying it. The only person saying that is you. I've seen other people on Twitter be like, James Harden wore a fat suit to get traded. No, you haven't. You are a crazy person. And I, I don't mean to guess like you here, but you're mental and need to get That's mental fun. your brain checks. Okay, so should we move on to the Western Conference? <laughs> <laughs> no acknowledge to me saying, I just don't believe anyone else has said a fat suit. I've only ever heard that from you. Um, I mean, it's just there's no point arguing because you're probably right. <laughs> No, nah, I, I was. I wanted. I, I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm sure Twitter. I mean, has an opinion on everything, so I wouldn't. I don't know. Okay, well, I've got one from the Western Conference. But wait, wait, can you just for a second. Mm. What do you mean accepted canon? Like, does everyone just in the nah. world agree that James Harden was wearing a fat suit? Yeah, like basically, I guess to me, accepted canon would be like 
out of 10 people, five people know it to be true. And three out of the remaining five think it's probably true. No, I, I, I think no one's even heard of that. Let alone... I reckon if Paul was here, he'd back me up. Yeah, Paul's mental too. Okay, here's, mm. okay, I just had a passionate argument with Paul. Answer this for me on the podcast, please. Okay. I won't say what, which my opinion is. It could be okay. either way. Is Steve Carell a comedian? Oh, great question. Uh, I no, would it's say, not a great question. I would say no. What? He's not. We're, uh, when's Steve Carell. But when does he done stand-up? You don't have to do stand-up to be a comedian. He's a comedy actor, like he's, but he's a serious actor as well. I would say he's an actor. Entertainer, maybe? Okay, Will Ferrell's a serious actor, so is Adam Sandler. Is Adam Sandler a comedian? Adam Sandler, I would say, is a comedian. Will Ferrell, no. Will Ferrell is definitely a comedian. But your- Adam Sandler has like multiple comedy albums, and I'm not like really into comedy, so you, you I might know more. But Adam Sandler's like was like is like a big stadium comedian, right? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, 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 I guess he was, yeah. I've yeah, never seen is. Steve Carell do stand-up. Um, what if I told you he was an improviser? Uh, I consider that entertainment. What? Um, what if I told you he was on The Daily Show? I definitely consider that entertainment. No, this is, this is insane, okay. man. So, but, but then what, is everyone like Bob Odenkirk, is he a comedian? Or is he a comedy, like, actor slash writer? Yeah, um, Bo Odenkirk is definitely a comedian, um, but who like, often ca- comedians, especially later in their career, parlay into serious acting as well. Okay, no, I'm yeah, no, I'm. I don't think Steve Carell's a comedian. I can't believe that. Okay, so I was just definitely a comedian. Oh my god! Oh wow! Okay, to I'm me, shocked. To me, a comedian comedy has to be your main thing, whereas comedy is an element of Steve life. Carell's main thing is definitely comedy. I I wish I was in the same room so I could. Fight you. No, he's famous. What's he most famous for? The Office. Uh, yeah, he's an actor. So is everyone in The Office a comedian? What's oh, he- that's, oh, that's going to be hard to get out of. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, I've just yeah. facts and logic to you there. What's- but yeah, I would say everyone in The Office, while they're acting on The Office, is a comedian. They're a comedic actor being a comedian on The Office. They are a comedian. And if you ask me what the... Um, receptionist from the office pam i don't can't remember the name the actor's name or jim if it's, they it's, they are known as comedians is, it, is idris elba a comedian no he, <laughs> he he wasn't even funny when he was on the office he was he was the opposite of a comedian well, well, i'm just saying but then he was on the office yeah you did hey you hey. snooking me well there but yeah. like yeah but I'm like, not... yes he was he was yes he was a comedian just not a good comedian yes he was Do you know what's weird to me how is idris elba constantly linked to every like superhero role, but he never gets it. And the, and then the goal of that Batman movie, the absolute goal of them to turn around and go for another white guy Batman? Mm. Come on, mate. LeBron should be Batman. So James Bond, I agree with you. I Wait. LeBron that LeBron should, should, yeah, yeah, LeBron should maybe be Batman. Maybe he's an actor, but I agree with you. Um, and, the, be a, yeah. and Michael Keaton should be Alfred. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I, so, so a guy who used to play Batman is Alfred, and you're saying LeBron. No, James wait, okay. Zendaya should be Batman, and then <laughs> LeBron. It, then LeBron plays older Batman when um, young Batman goes to the future, and Michael Keaton plays Alfred. Okay, so I'm glad I'm I'm glad you brought up the story, and I'm just going to ignore that because I'm not interested in that, and I've, I want to talk again. <laughs> um, 
here's what happened because I'm passionate about this. Um, clickbait news websites, mainly the Sun and the Daily Mail and those bullshit British ones, they know that they can really wind up their fan base of old white racists by saying their favorite idiot characters like James Bond and Batman because they're like intellectually challenged. That man, I mean, can I just say, can I just apologize to the intellectually challenged comedian? Are you apologizing to the racists out there? No, 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 to the intellectually challenged people and the oh. mental people. I'm saying I hate the racists and I hate JT and they don't deserve the insults yeah. I've been giving just them. One, been just one them. piece of advice if you are apologizing, probably don't address it to the mental people. <laughs> okay. Sorry to all the mentals out there for anyway. My point is the to appeal to, to fight racists, this is how you do it. You type an article going, Is the next James Bond gonna be a woman? Is the next James Bond going to be black? And it just goes viral every six months. Who cares? James Bond sucks. It is so shit. And don't get me wrong, it was fun. The first 50 films were fun, but the rest of them are terrible. And I'm glad Paul's not here to see that because he loves James Bond. But fuck James Bond. And it should be a woman. It should be a black person. But, but it's not going to be because their audience... I went to see the name James Bond. All the audience is old white men. They're just doing it for clickbait. And Idris Elba, unfortunately, because he's, he's the most famous black actor who's like in his prime, because you can't say Morgan Freeman... He, his name just gets bandied around, and I feel sorry for him because he doesn't deserve that clickbait shit. Well, and there's a hidden vict- victim here that you're not even acknowledging. There's a collateral damage, and that's all the Idris fans out there. <laughs> Me and my wife's mum are both huge. We want to see a more Elba on our screens. Yeah. And our hopes get raised every time. <laughs> I don't think Idris Elba is really that great, but um, he's good looking, and he's, yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I've got to go. So should we do one one last? I'll, I've got a good one. Don't try and weasel your way out of this. This is go. That nah, yeah, that's fine. We haven't even done magic mayhem, but continue. We're not gonna do. Me and you aren't gonna do magic mayhem. Are you really? Oh, there's no. <laughs> We're not gonna waste this golden opportunity. I do not want to talk about the magic. <laughs> whoa, 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 I can't tell if you're pro or anti doing a magic mayhem scene. No, I'm anti doing the magic mayhem. I do not want to t- talk about a team who's won 15 games this year. And is likely not win another one. I, I can't <laughs> outside of outside of that. Um, friend, you know, friends, Joseph Wagner or whatever his name is, <laughs> I, and Markel Folt. I, I can't think of a, another player on the Magic. Yeah, um, uh, Jonathan Isaac. Do, yeah, okay. Anyone that plays, it's like Wagner one, Wagner two. <laughs> um. I, I can't believe you just trashed Paul's segment and the best segment on this show and the only recurring segment we have. Um, okay, let's do one more, whatever, whatever thing you want to do. So you can get out. Also, you did quite a bit of magic chat with your return of the faults chat. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, okay. We'll just put the sting over that then. And you were, pas- <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were passionate about his logo, which I hadn't seen, and you couldn't describe to the listeners because it's a visual fucking element. Yeah, let's call this, this segment then Markel Mayhem. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what, what's your one last thing? Take us home. No, so one more bubonic and ton- chronic. Yeah. I want to talk about the surging Memphis Grizzlies, number three oh, yeah, in the right. West. Oh, my observation is that Ja Morant is cool and he's got a cool uh, teal jersey on. 43. They're on pace to win 50 games. No one gives a shit. They're not. The NBA season, regular season, is absolute garbage. No one tries. Where do you and- think- Okay, well, let's have a wager now. Where do you think the Grizzlies are going to get knocked out? Uh, second round. Okay. 
damn, that's probably a pretty good guess, actually. <laughs> cool. cool. They're not good. Um, it is interesting, though. The, the chat at the moment is the race between them and the Warriors to get the second seed because second seed will get a much easier uh, route. You'll avoid... Um, I want to see Denver get healthy and come back. I'm hoping for that. Um, uh, Lakers, I, I, Lakers for a little uh, play-in spot? No, I'm so embarrassed that I picked them to win at the start of the season. That's... No, but I don't regret any of my takes. That's I stand imagine, by that. Imagine, oh, here's one for you. Sorry, this is actually one one thing I should have added to the sheet. So the Pelicans are legitimately one game off the plan, which is so funny to me. And they, the New Orleans had like Mardi Gras or whatever the other day, and there was a parade in New Orleans. And bear in mind, it's a small town, right? Like it's like Wellington size. It's tiny. Yeah. And they had a they had a, a, a float in that parade of a giant. Um, a massively obese version of Zion. It was called One Ton, Zion One Ton, and it had him like eating all the money he's going to get from his contract. That was <laughs> extremely cruel. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was fucked up. But um, yeah, I mean, the Zion situation just gets uglier and uglier in New Orleans. He's uh, coming R&D. back, planned tournament, and he's going to be back. I, I worry. I think I worry that his like. He may never be right. Like he could be Greg Odening it, but anyway, I'm, I'm, do I say that every week? I probably do. No, nah, he's fine. Every week you say Ja Morant is cool. I say um, Zion Williamson is the next ja, uh, Greg Oden, and then Paul somehow links that to R- R- Russell Westbrook. Hey, um, oh, I will say this. I said this to Paul's face. How amazing is it in the history of this podcast? Paul hates three things in this order: LeBron James number one, Russell Westbrook number two. The LA Lakers, number three. How amazing is it that number two has come to number three and has brought down number one? That is quite amazing, right? Yeah, that is amazing. We'll have to um, talk to Paul about that next week. JT, have you got any final NBA thoughts you'd like to shoot off there before we shoot out? Mm-hmm. Nah. You've, 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 you've already relished us with some absolute gold today. You don't regret any takes. Uh, Bam Abdebayo, you made a bet on him for MVP. Why'd you bet on like bloody Grace and Allen for MVP? I reckon that what was what was that paying? I mean, I'm play, as you know, most of my um, analysis are based on looks. How how much um, Grace and Allen's kind of good looking, isn't he? I don't know. Not compared to Bam Abdebayo, <laughs> but yeah, not, not the same same ballpark. How much made you bet on Bam Abdebayo winning MVP? Uh, I can't remember. It would not not a huge amount, twenty, but pretty good, pretty. Long and does it does it pay back a hundred thousand dollars because no one would ever? Uh, make it that was bet? it was big, but I had a hundred on the Suns to win at the start of the season last year. Did so, you actually win the championship? Yep, start of the season. That is genuine. Can you show me a receipt of that? Or yeah, sure. like, I'll send you my tab. Yeah, that is that is. If you did that last, so last season when the Suns made the finals, yeah, the start of the before season. Before the season started, you bet a hundred dollars. Yep. JT, why don't you share this gold with the podcast? But they lost. The- but uh, not only did they lose, I, I think it should be acknowledged they got quite lucky. No, no, they. No, but you were the one who bet on you. That's what you were betting on. But I'm saying that I didn't share it. If I had like a hot tip that was like, these guys are definitely going to get there, I would have shared it. But this was more but like a bit of a... When they made the finals, you must have... How much was that ticket worth? You must have been sitting on like a fucking 50 uh, grand payday. I think, I think it was... No, it was only like a 28 buck payout, I think. They were they were reasonably well favoured at the start of the season with Chris Paul and Booker. Twenty eight dollars. Yeah, I don't think it was that high. Yeah. Well, who uh, who did you, you bid on at the start of this season? Uh, no one, because I was so upset about my bad luck that I was just like, oh, you know what? I'll just win it all back with Bam Adebayo. Adebayo MVP. 
And boy, oh boy, are you on track for that? I, I bet on LeBron every year for the last three years to win MVP. I was like, just for the last five years, I've been so confident he's going to win one more that, that if he even came close, he'd get it. Yeah. And last he year, would, he would have. Yeah. Um, this year, he, he started strong. It was just the rest of the team. Like if the if the Lakers were in the top four or top five or big if, um, yeah, RIP to the Lakers, um, RIP to Paul. Um, thanks so much. It's so nice to catch up with you, JT. Cheers, mate. Hey, mate. Um, yep. I've been Guy Williams. I've been JT. Say it with a bit of enthusiasm. I've been JT. Cheers, mate. Catch Cheers. you later. See Bye. Ya. Same.